Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, brought to you by Ceres. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. The Dubai Green Fund is the funding pillar of the Dubai Clean Energy Strategy for 2050, including goals for net zero emissions and establishing Dubai as a hub for ESG and green economy investment in the MENA region. Dubai Green Fund is an impact investment firm set up by the Dubai government and anchored by Dubai Electricity and Water Authority. Joost Smulders is Chief Investment Officer at the Dubai Green Fund and my guest today on the Sustainable Finance Podcast. But before we start, I want to say a few words about our sponsor. I'm thrilled to talk about the important work Ceres is doing. Ceres is a nonprofit organization working with the most influential capital market leaders to solve the world's greatest sustainability challenges. Through their powerful networks and global collaborations of investors, companies, and nonprofits, Ceres drives action and inspires equitable market-based and policy solutions throughout the economy. To learn more, go to series.org slash podcast. That's C-E-R-E-S dot org slash podcast. At Ceres, sustainability is the bottom line. Hello, Yost, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Good morning, Paul. Thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Yes, I'm very glad that you could join us today uh, and, and take this time out of your busy schedule. You have an extensive background in impact investing private equity and investment banking, and have managed transactions of over $100 billion in the EU, MENA, and Asian capital markets. What attracted you to the Dubai Green Fund? And by the way, why don't you let our uh, audience know what MENA stands for? So MENA stands for the Middle East and North Africa region. Um, and to come back to your question, so early on in my career, I was involved in some renewable energy transactions. So that, uh, that always had my, my interest. And then when I was approached uh, by Dubai Green Fund to be part of the founding team when Dubai Green Fund was created uh, back in 2018, I was obviously immediately very enthusiastic um, because it was a chance for me to use my experience to, to actually make a real impact and to, to make some, some changes in, uh, in, in society. Um, and another aspect that appealed to me is that the government of, of Dubai always sets some very ambitious targets, and then they also actually make it happen. And I wanted to be a, a part of that. That's great. Well, you're, you're well on the way, right, to doing that. One of the things we're, we're going to talk about today, uh, right now, in fact, is the Dubai Clean Energy Strategy for 2050, which has set some ambitious goals for the next 30 years. Now, I know there's two the three distinct parts to this process that you and I have discussed uh, and a couple of projects within them that uh, are currently being funded as part of that strategy. So please give our listeners an update on those projects that are underfunding and the strategy as a whole, please. Yeah, so maybe to start with the beginning. So Dubai Green Fund was set up as one of the funding pillars for the Dubai Clean Energy uh, 2050 strategy. Now, that strategy was actually updated uh, recently, uh, almost a year ago now um, at the COP26, to now um, aim for net zero by, by 2050. I Previously, it had, been, it had been 70% clean energy production by 2050, but now it's 100% uh, 
clean energy production and uh, and the the aim of net zero. Um, and that obviously that announcement was also made in the context of, of UAE actually hosting the Conference of Parties uh, COP28 in the UAE uh, in 2023. Can I interrupt? Can I, I'm sorry, I want to interrupt you for a second. You didn't, you just said 100%, right? Not 50%, 100%. 100%, that's correct. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that I was hearing that correctly. <laughs> Go yeah, ahead. so 100%. So that's an ambitious, uh, that's an ambitious target. And uh, the UAE was actually the first country in the MENA region. So here we have uh, MENA again, uh, to make this net zero uh, commitment as well, which was then followed by, uh, by a couple of other countries shortly after the announcement. So now let's move on to these programs that are already underway as part of this funding process. Where, what are those and, and how, how is that going? Yeah, so I'll mention two different uh, types of projects uh, today. So the first is on the supply side initiative. So this is about clean energy generation. Um, so Dubai uh, launched the Dubai of the Mohammed bin Rashid solar park, um, which is a five gigawatt uh, solar park, which is actually the, si the largest single site solar park, which is based on the, uh, the IPP, the independent uh, power producer model where the utility company will tender the project in phases to the market and then developers, they can submit bids and the best bid is chosen to develop, uh, to develop that phase. Now, DGF has invested in the, in the last two phases of this Mohammed bin Rashid uh, solar park. So phase four is actually a CSP concentrated solar power uh, project with also some PV aspect uh, to it, 950 megawatts um, in total. And the interesting aspect about this project is that it actually provides a thermal um, energy storage as well. So energy can be stored for, for 15 hours. Um, so that, that actually uh, yeah, allows the project to also basically provide some base loads to the, to the grid and not only produce power um, at the time that the sun is, uh, is shining in the middle of, uh, in the, middle of the day. Um, so that's phase four. That's, uh, it's, CSP is a more expensive technology. So this is about a $4 billion project. So it's a very, uh, very large project. Phase five, this is only PV. Um, this is a 900 megawatt project, um, which I think it's about $550 million kind of project uh, size. Um, and the interesting aspect of this project is that it achieved, um, at the time of signing the PPA in 2019, it achieved the, uh, the record low tariff, actually for the fifth consecutive time um, of, I think it was $1.69 uh, per kilowatt hours, which is just under $17 per megawatt hour. Um, yeah, setting again the standards and also benefiting from obviously the, uh, the high solar irradiance uh, that is available in the MENA region, particularly in the, in the UAE. Now, um, so I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you again, because there's a couple of terms that you've used that I think it would be helpful for our audience to, to hear again. And that's the first one is PPA. Uh, to explain to our listeners what a PPA is and how it works. So PPA is a power purchase agreement, which is the agreement between the project company and the utility company uh, that governs the sale of the renewable energy to the utility uh, company. And that is at a agreed um, volume and, and price that gives certainty to all the, uh, to all the project parties. Okay, now you also mentioned that the 
the storage capacity of at least part of this solar project now uh, is um, up to 15 hours of storage capacity. Now, what has to happen, let's say that we're 12 hours into that 15-hour time frame, and now uh, there's power needed at some part of the grid. How does it get from the storage facilities at the, at the solar park to the grid and then to the users at the end? How does that process work? Wait, for one second. Uh, energy efficiency switches <laughs> off the lights. Uh, <laughs> There's a good example of it right there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, all right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, so so effectively in, in the CSP technology, and I'm, I'm not the technical expert just for clarity, but maybe yeah. the easy way to, to explain it is that the solar, the solar energy is directed at a uh, central tower. Um, and the central tower is filled with a salt called uh, molten salt. And effectively the heat from the, from the sun is heating up this, uh, this sand. And that's what's uh, storing therefore the, uh, the energy. And then that heat can be used to power turbines to then, to then use that, that heat as and when uh, required. And obviously that will then approximately for 15 hours, the, uh, the heat is, is kept there and, and can then be used when, uh, when needed. And then it is distributed through the grid that is connected to the solar park, right? To wherever it's needed and, be, and being used. Exactly. Great. Okay. So now there's another project, right? That's part of this uh, early phase of funding. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if I may just add one more point to the previous. Uh, please, please do. To, to, the, to the previous project. So. Um, at the moment, Dubai, with, with the current operational phases of the, of the Mohammed bin Rashid Solar Park, um, about 11.5% or almost 12% of the energy in Dubai is already produced now by, uh, by solar power. Uh, that will increase to about 14% by the end of the year. Once the whole 5 gigawatt park is operational, that, that will be uh, approximately 25% of the power in Dubai. So that already makes a, a big contribution towards the ultimate uh, goals in, in, in 2050. But we're, we're already yeah, quite, uh, quite early in achieving some, some ambitious uh, targets there. Okay, well, that's, that's good, right? Because you are planning to expand your green economy in Dubai dramatically going forward. Uh, and, and, this, and the other project that, we, that you're going to tell us about now is part of that, right? Yes, yeah, so the other project, so our other focus is on energy efficiency. So this is, uh, this is on the demand side management, so actually reducing the energy consumption in the, in the first place. Um, so DGF invested, uh, for example, in two projects with Dubai airports um, to save energy and water. Um, so, and that involved, for example, replacing, um, I think it was almost 150,000 uh, light bulbs with LED lighting, uh, upgrading uh, all of the cooling and chiller systems, the AC systems. Um, there was a small supply side element as well by adding some rooftop solar to the uh, to the airport as well, um, and this allows the airport to save up to 25 to 30 percent of their energy and water consumption at absolutely no cost to them as a as a building owner, because an investor like uh, and in this case DGF would fund all the required investments um, for for this project, and then the repayment of the investor is from the actual savings that are typically guaranteed by, by the contracting company who will implement these, uh, these measures. We call them ESCO companies, energy saving companies. 
uh, or energy service companies. Uh, they will guarantee these savings and that will be used to, to repay the, uh, the investment. So that's, that provides a very attractive model to any building owner of saving uh, energy without any cost at all to themselves. They have zero cost savings, uh, energy efficiency savings. That's quite a, that's quite a process. I, I wish more um, infrastructure companies in the US and other places in the world would adopt that kind of a model. Do you, are you planning to expand that um, as, uh, as you learn from this particular project? So yes, we, we, are, uh, we are always encouraging more building owners to go with energy and water efficiency initiatives. It is actually surprisingly hard to convince them, even though there is a zero cost and it would really be a, a no-brainer. Um, and in addition, it also provides additional comfort into, into the building because normally the upgrade of cooling systems makes the, the environment uh, yeah, more, more comfortable and also the air quality improves. So really, I, I'm hoping that more, uh, more companies and building owners would, uh, yeah, would, would go ahead and also implement these initiatives. And commenting on your point about the U.S., actually, my understanding is that there is actually quite an, uh, an active ESCO market uh, in the U.S. as well. I don't know uh, all the details uh, because we are not active in the U.S. market. Um, but I think it is one of the countries where, where there are at least some initiatives as far as I'm aware. So that's, that's good. And hopefully also the U.S. can keep on expanding on that. Well, I think they are. And one example that I'm aware of in New York City is the Bloomberg Tower, which gets all of its uh, clean energy and the whole building runs on clean energy from solar arrays on the on the on the roof of um, storage uh, buildings uh, in the um, the boroughs around uh, okay. New York City. And so that, that, that all of that is arranged, as you said, through the grid. So that's one good example of, uh, with, of a building in New York City that, that many people recognize. And I certainly hope that you, th this whole idea keeps growing in popularity. And I encourage you to use this podcast program to get the word out to all kinds of uh, building owners in Dubai, especially, uh, and, and, and even beyond that, uh, if it makes sense. So please Absolutely. do. No, we will, we will for sure do that. Great. All right. So now, many US and European investors are unaware of the tremendous opportunities that are available in the Islamic economies particularly when it comes to fixed income strategies. How and where can they learn more about this topic? Yeah, so there, there's actually a lot of activity in the green bond and the green sukuk space for international investors. And maybe I, I should explain that. So sukuks, Please do. They, are, they are bonds, uh, but structured according to the Islamic finance uh, principles. And often that means that they are backed by, by assets, giving some security to the uh, to the investors, um, and in the last year in in the UAE alone, there have actually been several issuers coming to the market with a, either a green bond or a green uh, sukuk. Um, and I'm talking about um, banks, uh, at least two banks that I'm uh, aware of: a district cooling company, uh, a real estate and mall operator uh, company. Um, and actually, there's also one uh, one solar project that was refinanced with a uh, solar project bond. Um, basically providing investors the opportunity to directly invest in a, in a solar project by, by providing the capital to, uh, to, to this project. Um, and all these, so all these bonds or sukuks, they are supported by uh, a green framework 
and that's that sets out all the policies and approaches that the company or the issuer has towards uh, green and impact uh, investing and, and what the use of proceeds are. And those frameworks, they are then typically also reviewed by what they call a, a, se a second uh, party opinion, which is an external consultant that reviews the framework and then basically gives their opinion about, uh, about it. So that gives investors also some comfort uh, as to how green or how impactful the particular uh, yeah, capital raise or capital deployment uh, is. Yes, and I know that in, uh, in in the U.S. and in the EU markets, uh, during this surge in green bond issuance in recent years, one of the things that people are concerned about is uh, um, the elements of, of the bond contract that uh, that re refer to the use of proceeds, where sometimes it's use of proceeds away from green projects at the same time that other use of proceeds within the bond issuance uh, are directed at green projects. So what you're saying is there's there's a third party reviewer in this situation that looks at all of that. Um, yes, yes, there is. But of course, and, and this is a, a bigger issue in the global markets, but there are, I call it different shades of green. Uh, <laughs> see, not, not every bond or every sekuk is, uh, is as green as the, as the other. Right. Um, sometimes we see that only a percentage of the proceeds is, uh, is actually used for green purposes and, and the rest is, is used for real estate, for example. Um, whereas other bonds, then the full proceeds are, are used for green purposes. So there are differences. And of course, yeah, that, that should come forward from these frameworks and from these opinions. But it's also obviously up to the investor to do, the, to do that diligence and to select those issuers that are the most committed to, to, to green and, and impact um, and, and basically have the, the biggest results for every dollar that is uh, invested in these instruments. Great. Well, We've covered uh, just a, a, a very few topics. There's certainly a lot more information about what you're doing with the Dubai Green Fund and a lot more interest, I know, uh, among investors uh, to, to learn more about what you're doing and what other uh, asset managers and investors are doing in the MENA countries. Uh, but for the moment, where can Sustainable Finance Podcast listeners go online to learn more about the Dubai Green Fund and how can they contact you with questions about the topics that we discussed in today's episode? So we have a website, dgf.ae. So that's where, where the listeners can find more information. Um, I can be found on, on LinkedIn, or my office can also be reached by, by sending an email to info at dgf.ae. And uh, more than happy to receive, uh, to receive questions or to, uh, yeah, to, to respond to, to any uh, inquiries of, of potential uh, investment opportunities for, for Dubai Green Fund. Terrific. Well, thanks again to Joost Smulders, Chief Investment Officer at the Dubai Green Fund, and to our sponsor, the Series Accelerator for Sustainable Capital Markets. The Series Accelerator is a center of excellence within Series that aims to transform the practices and policies that govern capital markets to reduce the worst financial impacts of the climate crisis. For more information, go to series.org slash accelerator. That's C-E-R-E-S dot org slash accelerator. And to our listeners, join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thank you.